welcome everybody to this plenary session, Worker Solidarity with Ukraine. We've got three speakers, um, Tom Harris, who's here in London, Dennis Pilash, who is in uh, Ukraine, who's speaking from Social Movement, and Alavuskaya, who um, is speaking from Alt-Left, a um, Russian uh, leftist and anti-war organization. So we're going to hear first from... So we're going to hear first from Dennis Pilash from Social Movement. He's going to speak for 50 minutes, and then from Alan, and then from Tom. Hello, comrades. Um, it's a great honor to be here. You have a great program for your event, and actually, it's inspiring for for people who who live in a literal hell, like millions of Ukrainians now. Uh, because, yeah, since 24th of February, since uh, Russia's right-wing conservative uh, dictatorship has unleashed its attack on, on the people of Ukraine, uh, we faced uh, probably the biggest tragedy and uh, obviously the biggest threat for uh, the mere existence of peer people here since the Nazi invasion in the Second World War. So it caused enormous destruction throughout the country. We have um, probably uh, dozens of uh, thousands of civilians already dead and um, many millions of people who, whose lives were completely disrupted by the war, who had to displace in a way or, a, or another. So though some of them have already returned, like we have, including those more than two, mi two million people who have come back from uh, foreign countries. Uh, however, the situation is still very dire and uh, the recent week was a, a perfect example for this. So the Russian uh, missile and aircraft um, attacks on Ukraine, they intensified. And um, actually, it reminded that no region in Ukraine can be considered safe because the Russian uh, missiles hit um, almost every region from uh, Lviv to Kharkiv and obviously to Donbass. Uh, that is now the place for the most he heavy hostilities. Um, and it also included uh, attacks on residential areas, on um, a sea resort uh, in the Odessa region, on um, kindergarten in Kiev, on uh, car wash in the Tome region, and uh, the, probably the most uh, infamous uh, shopping mall in Kremenchuk. And uh, each of these attacks claimed um, dozens of, 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 of human lives. So uh, we had even in, in terms of magnitude, an increase of a uh, number of civilian casualties throughout the country. And uh, not to speak even about what's happening in Luhansk, uh, Donetsk, uh, Zaporizhia and uh, Kherson, Mykolaiv regions, the regions in the east and uh, south. Kharkiv actually also is constantly shelled. So uh, there, uh, Russia is still pushing through, trying to grab as much uh, land as it can. And also it means uh, to destroy as much cities and towns as, as uh, it can, because we have this long list of almost completely um, 
destroyed uh, places there from the biggest one, Mariupol, to the smaller ones, Volnovakha, Izum, Severodonetsk recently, now in Lysychansk, uh, um, like they, they fired on a, a line of people who were standing for, for, for water. So yeah, it's still uh, pretty much the reality. And uh, many people in, in abroad, they, they have some perception as, as, as if something has changed. Uh, yes, we have prevailed in in a in a number of uh, directions, and uh, the battle for Kiev will, was ultimately won by the Ukrainian side, and uh, Kharkiv was is all, also almost uh, um, recently the Snake Island in the Black Sea, as it had been like the place for constant uh, shelling from, from Ukrainian artillery. Uh, it's uh, what Russians also fled from there and claimed it's uh, a good feel, goodwill gesture. It was at the same time when uh, the rockets were hitting uh, lots of civilians throughout the country. And uh, But what, what uh, helped us, we stand with this uh, imperialist challenge um, from the regional major, major uh, imperialist in, in the region uh, was um, actually a big mobilization of uh, Ukrainian people, um, men and women uh, from different regions, uh, Ukrainian, Russian speaking, um, from other uh, ethnic communities, um, people mostly from the working class who in a way or another have um, joined the resistance um not only in the literal way um though still we have lots of people who uh, volunteered for for the territorial defense units and for the armed force of ukraine including lots in the independent unions and sometimes you can go to the web pages of um, say the, the independent miners union in Krivirih or uh, Chervonograd and see the, this list of obituaries for, for people who have already been killed on the front line, but also uh, the people who uh, kept everything going uh, in the country and who uh, did basically their job as essential workers or who became ones by uh, joining different humanitarian aid, um, spontaneous networks that were emerging throughout the country, helping the people um, to relocate. And actually the, the railway workers um, did an enormous job to, to save the lives of, of millions of people. Uh, by risking their own uh, in many in many uh, cases the same applies to uh, healthcare workers to uh, emergency services workers but also to others uh, so people who are usually not so much promoted as um, someone heroic however uh, who were quite essential for um, preserving others lives and uh, helping distribute uh, medicine, food, and everything necessary for those whose uh, lives were torn apart. And uh, in this way, it's um, uh, enormously shameless uh, what, the, what was the uh, reaction of the ruling class here, because uh, any capitalist class in any situation, it will use uh, actually um, such kind of 
you know, shock, shock situation to pursue its own interests on behest of the um, working majority. And uh, the same essential workers who were so essential for uh, Ukraine's defense and resistance and who are risking their lives uh, every day, they are now facing lots of um, anti-social, anti-labor uh, initiatives um, made by different um, quite neoliberal uh, market enthusiastic uh, members of parliament and uh, people in the ministries. Um, so just at the moment, we are uh, combating um, one of the laws that will uh, effectively um, endanger with uh, all, all, the, uh, all the workers employed uh, at the workplaces with less than uh, 250 people, that their labor protections will be uh, just uh, dismantled and uh, actually their um, right to um, unionize and somehow to defend their rights, it will also be made obsolete by, by these changes. Uh, so this is one of these uh, anti-labor laws that we um, uh, are now opposing. And uh, here I can say about what, what our organization does. So I'm from the social movement, um, political organization that stands for uh, socialism and freedom and uh, that challenges the um, neoliberal um, capitalist, oligarchic capitalist, peripheral capitalist uh, order in Ukraine. Uh, so uh, with the start of war, as uh, many NGOs, uh, as many other groups, we try to do uh, all our best to, um, uh, to contribute to um, to the help to the refugees, IDPs, to um, to other people who have been affected by the war, uh, but also we uh, started a number of projects to protect labor rights on uh, both individual level. So we uh, get uh, these um, reports from the people who whose rights have been uh, violated, and also on a more systematic level to raise the awareness, in, including in the uh, unions, in the both uh, union entities in Ukraine, the Federation of Trade Unions and the Confederation of Free Trade Unions, uh, to um, uh, mobilize them and to um, uh, oppose uh, some of these um, very dangerous uh, initiatives. Uh, and also we, uh, we are trying to build these networks of international solidarity. So I think that uh, Tom will, will speak about uh, his and his comrades' visit to, to Lviv for one of these events, but also it's lots of such uh, online events and uh, building networks of solidarity across the borders. And it's quite important to have these um, demands and uh, the plight of Ukrainian uh, working class uh, raised by uh, comrades uh, abroad. And we are very grateful for what um, Ukraine Solidarity Campaign and Workers' Liberty does um, to for, for real solidarity and uh, for also bringing together all these issues that we are now facing um by uh this uh shameless aggression um and uh, uh we can say that uh, for instance the plight of the refugees from ukraine regardless of their origin and their citizenship it's also the the part of the bigger problem of the um uh, refugees and asylum seekers throughout the world and 
you know what's what's happening now what what happened in melilia uh dozens of people killed by uh, moroccan and uh, spanish uh, security what's happening in uh, palestine what's happening with the kurdish people um again in the context of this uh, all, all this trade of their interests um, on behalf of some geopolitics and so on. Um, and actually, uh, what's also necessary for to stop the imperialist invasion against Ukraine, because it's setting a quite dangerous uh, precedent for um, encouraging actually all other imperialists. We are uh, no more living in some kind of unilateral uh, world we live in. Uh, a situation with lots of imperial and sub-imperialist powers that uh, um, use their uh, military machines and their uh, other other ways to uh, suppress uh, smaller uh, people, smaller uh, countries, and uh, you can name it starting from um, so Russia as an fossil fuel empire. It's um genetic it's, it's in a way some something like uh, saudi arabia and its uh, um criminal war in yemen and um it's a real pity that many people in the west they have this uh, delusion that somehow the russian imperialism is um, a counterpoint um uh, some dialectical negation of the western one not its continuation uh however uh, we see this as a a complete uh, like in, in in the same line and uh, it's very dangerous uh, especially today because putin has become some kind of um, um beacon for uh, the far right uh, in europe and uh, his uh, vision of the world is this uh, vision that completely negates not only the right of um, ukrainians to basically exist because lots of um, his top officials and his media has promoted these uh, um, lines with uh, genocidal implications actually that like Ukrainian identity and separate Ukrainian Republic has to be obliterated. Um, and what what um, his, uh, his uh, government is doing throughout the post-Soviet space, suppressing protests in Belarus, in Kazakhstan, in, in uh, generally upholding different authoritarian regimes. But it's also uh, a vision where only uh, big powers will have uh, any right to, to do anything on the international arena and where uh, only um, the right of force, of brute force, will rule. So it's a uh, um, dystopia of uh, Putin's, Trump's, uh, Bolsonaro's and Modi's um, like shambling the world and um, creating no leaving no space for um oppressed people and uh, for independent uh, workers movement as well uh, so uh, once again uh, thanks for your solidarity and we also convey our own solidarity for your struggles uh, for those um, examples of um, class struggles that are now ongoing in the uk like the um the struggle of the railway workers. So our our uh, friends from the free uh, trade union of um, railway workers, they also uh, convey um, their solidarity and their support to you. 
Thanks, and I'll be um, happy to answer your questions in the discussion. Thanks, Dennis. Um, so our next speaker is Ala, who's an editor of left-wing media platform Alt-Left. Uh, you'll have about 10 to 15 minutes, Ala. Hey. Uh, hi, everyone. My name is Ella Wojska. I'm a political activist and an editor of the Russian left-wing uh, wing media Alt-Left. Uh, thank you so much for having me today. I would like to speak about the problems of the Russian anti-war movement. Official Russian propaganda is trying to convince people that all Russians support the war in Ukraine, but it doesn't match reality. From the first day of the war, many Russians stood up against it. Thousands of people have taken to the streets and manifested against the invasion to Ukraine in February, in March, but the streets protests were quickly repressed by the government, by the police. In March, uh, Russian parliament adopted a law to protect the Russian army against uh, discreditation, which made any critical statements about the war illegal. We can't even say that war is a war. We need to use the phrase special military operation instead. One, uh, one of our comrades uh, was uh, detained because of uh, anti-war picture on social media. Because of uh, repressions, many activists went abroad. Despite uh, all of the, the anti-war resistance uh, still exists in Russia, many remaining activists uh, continue agitation um, against uh, invasion online. Some other distribute uh, anti-war uh, leaflets, uh, create graffitis, uh, while many uh, military uh, recruitment offices across Russia have been set um, ablaze. Unfortunately, the anti-war movement in our country is fully in the hands of uh, liberals who use uh, ineffective uh, tactics and often make uh, big strategic uh, mistakes. Uh, popular liberal uh, politician Alexei Navalny, who is now in prison, uh, called for an uh, everyday peaceful street protest. After just a few days, this protest died out. We don't have enough activists who are ready to go to the streets every day. Many have been arrested. Liberals in post-Soviet countries don't use uh, strikes, uh, sabotage, or organized forms of protests. Uh, the tactics uh, they use often fail. It happens in 2020 and in 2021, both in Belarus and during anti-government uh, protests in Russia's far eastern city of Khabarovsk. Another problem is the chauvinistic and imperialistic character of the Russian anti-war movement leaders. Some of them propose to issue a passport of a good Russian to uh, any anti-war Russian live abroad in order to let them open a bank account, rent property, and get uh, access to other services. The whole idea of uh, this proportion is absurd and uh, wrong, as it can be lead to discrimination of ordinary Russians and at the same time allow those who are close to Putin to avoid punishment. For example, Putin's daughters who are married to foreign nationals can just uh, pass the ownership of their assets to them. 
Uh, also, it's important to say that in our language, we uh, there are two words to say uh, Russian, which have uh, different meanings. One means a citizen of the Russian Federation, Russianian. The other one means the ethnic uh, group of uh, Slavs, uh, who are the biggest ethnic group in Russia, Ruski. When we they, when they say passport of a good Russian, they use the second uh, word, uh, Ruski, which means uh, they label as Russian all ethnic uh, minority groups such as uh, Tatars, Bashkirs, uh, Kalmyks, who are also citizens uh, of Russia, but uh, are not Slavs. Uh, recently, there have been several racist uh, scandals in Russian opposition politics. A popular blogger, Maxim Katz, has said that uh, Caucasian people are more brutal towards uh, Ukrainians uh, because they are not Slavs and therefore unable to look at Ukrainians uh, as their own kind of people. Uh, another story emerged on uh, YouTube show Popular Politics, where a host said that Russian people who went to war are most very poor, as well as representatives of ethnic uh, minorities and therefore are not the best people. All these uh, cases don't uh, surprise me because many people who lead the anti-war movement today earlier supported the war in Chechnya. Like, for example, Mikhail Khodorkovsky, who was uh, a famous business figure in the 20s. Can we be sure that these people won't start another war if they come to power in Russia? We don't need another war. We don't need imperialists in government. Only radical measures can stop the war. And socialists and Democrats must be the driving force which would implement this measure. Thank you for your attention. Thank you, Ella. And our last speaker is the one that is in the room. Uh, Tom Harris is a PCS rep, a member of Workers' Liberty and Along with myself and Kelly was on the Worker Solidarity uh, delegation to Ukraine recently. So, Tom, take it away. Hi, everyone. Um, I'd like to start by um, thanking our previous speakers. I think we're incredibly privileged to be able to hear from them. Um, and we're in a historical moment when it's possible to discuss with workers and, and left-wing activists um, across the world in a way that would have been really difficult previously. You know, you think of the times in history when to try and make working class solidarity across borders, that was incredibly difficult. People had to smuggle themselves across borders. You'd get to some conference in another part of Europe only to discover that everyone had been arrested. And here we are, thanks to um, the globalization of the modern world and also to um, technology, we are able to have these discussions to hear firsthand from people um, struggling in the countries affected. And whilst sometimes um, the idea of little left-wing organizations taking, uh, taking positions on international struggles um, or global conflicts might seem a bit abstract. I think we've got an opportunity now um, in a kind of fairly unprecedented way to make those things um, material and real. Um, so as has been mentioned, me and Ruth and Kelly uh, went to Lviv in Western Ukraine uh, just about a couple of months ago, um, where we were able to hear from um, Ukrainian um, trade unionists, the Ukrainian socialist left, um, and other activists fighting for the liberation of women, um, of LGBT people, of oppressed minorities. Um, and we found out a lot. 
And one thing I hope to come back to uh, later in this speech is that the main thing we found out is that the Ukrainian left exists and that they should not be written out of the narrative um, in a way that I think often does happen in the left discourse on this topic. So, and the other thing we find that we, we see is that um, the thing that overwhelmingly comes out is that the Ukrainian left is fighting. Rail workers fighting to keep themselves and their colleagues alive as they're targeted by missiles and gunfire from the Russian invaders. Coal miners literally fighting um, near the front lines. Many workers have been pulled into the, um, volunteered in the army and um, territorial um, defense units and the trade union networks are supporting them, supplying them, providing them with information, providing them with expertise, providing them with materials. We heard from healthcare workers, um, members of their union in occupied areas of Ukraine um, had been um, forced to leave their Ukrainian trade union and join a Russian one um, and to accept worse contracts on worse deals. Um, we heard from women's activists doing the best they can to hold together um, the infrastructure that the women's movement in Ukraine has built up over decades, even amidst the chaos of invasion and amidst the, um, the horrific spread of sexual violence as a weapon of war um, by the Russian invaders. We heard from LGBT activists who were um, running collectives in Kiev and campaigning for LGBT rights, um, who were very aware that as horribly inadequate as the legal situation of LGBT people is in Ukraine, um, it's nowhere near as bad as it potentially could be um, if uh, Putin's army take control. And this LGBT Kiev would vote each month on which military unit they would be donating half of their funds to. That is to say that the Ukrainian people are fighting against the Russian invader, and they are also, and the Ukrainian left is also fighting to defend working class interests against a um, Zelensky government that. Uh, for all of the uh, heroism and I think uh, genuine inspirational nature of uh, that government's um, war campaign is nevertheless a capitalist bourgeois government that is uh, prosecuting the class struggle on Ukrainian workers under the, um, under the guise of war measures, just as you would expect it to. Um, and we heard from comrades in Ukraine who were fighting to oppose um, privatisation of uh, Ukrainian industry and fighting against uh, the neoliberalization of Ukrainian labor law um, and fighting to um, expose bosses who use um, the supposed exigencies of war as a reason to uh, sack people, lay them off, attack their rights, attack their pay. Now, I foreground that at the beginning of my speech because it establishes the Ukrainian left is fighting and that it has agency and it has an opinion and that the Ukrainian workers are not merely pawns in some... Um, broader chess game. And that is the view that I think you would get from many on the left currently. It's the view certainly you get from people like Stop the War, the SDBP. It's an argument that some of you may have heard in your union conferences recently. And I think it needs to be opposed. Their view is that really the war is just um, a kind of a piece of puppetry between American imperialism and Russia. Russia was provoked into invading because of NATO expansionism. Um, and, and really, really, the West is, uh, is, is, is the only thing to blame. I think that writes out the uh, it writes out Ukrainian history as a former colony of Russia. It writes out um, the democratic right of the Ukrainian people to determine the future and fate of their own country without um, imperialist interference. And it also just doesn't tally up with the with the facts whatsoever. Um, Vladimir Putin 
a few months before the invasion, as has been already mentioned, comes out with this thesis in which he says that um, the Ukrainians are not really uh, a separate nation. They're merely just Russians. Uh, that Ukraine doesn't have, um, doesn't have a right to, to independent existence and that um, Ukraine as a, as a separate entity was all just a Bolshevik mistake. And still stop the war and the left, uh, and some parts of the left think that, in fact, uh, this war is just because Putin was nervous about NATO. I think basically, if Putin came out with a big T-shirt on saying, I love imperialism, and uh, a big burglar's bag with swag written on it, um, and marched around shouting, I want to reconquer an old Russian colony, loads of the left would still be like, I feel your pain, brother. I understand. <laughs> NATO should never have done that to you. It's nonsense. It's funny, but it's also, it's also appalling because um, this, is, this is a humanitarian catastrophe and, it's, and we owe a debt of solidarity to a workers' movement, a women's movement and a left that is struggling in a life and death struggle for its, for its existence. So I think we need to be raising um, slogans. Many of them were brought up by comrades in Ukraine um, and I think uh, we should be carrying them forward in the movement. The first thing to do is to loud, loud voicedly and clear-throatedly oppose the Russian invasion. Um, and not to, to paint it in, in some kind of equivocal terms. Um, the second one is to call for arms for Ukraine. Now, I think even people in the Morning Star might on some abstract level say that they think that Ukraine has the right to self-determination. When you push them on what that means materially, they will start to pull back when you specify, well, if Ukraine has a right to be free and if Ukraine has a right to defend itself, then consequently Ukraine needs the material means to defend itself. It needs arms. Now, unfortunately, the only people able to provide them with arms at the moment are Western governments. So we need to steer away from allowing our movement to view that as a bad thing. Um, because, um, sad though it is to say, there isn't currently a free trade, like a, like a fair trade ethical <laughs> commune in Bristol somewhere that can uh, make kind of LGBT positive, sex friendly, e ecological, you know, whatever. Um, arms that can arrive in. Unfortunately, it's the bastards like Boris Johnson and uh, Biden and, uh, and, and other NATO countries that can provide them. Um, so we should be saying that um, our government should be providing Ukraine with the weapons it needs to defend itself. Now, that is not to say, however, that we, um, that we should um, flip into full out support for NATO. Firstly, because NATO and its constituent governments cannot be uh, relied upon to um, pursue a democratic or let alone socialist policy in Ukraine. NATO recently allowed um, Sweden and Finland in um, through, um, through negotiations pressured by Turkey, which basically meant that in order to be part of um, NATO, Sweden and Finland would have to agree to uh, stop harboring um, refugees from the Kurdish independence struggle um, and that NATO would have to soft pedal um, whatever, op whatever opposition and restraint it was, it was exercising on uh, Turkey's right to intervene in Rojava. That I would say is indicative of an alliance that is uh, exactly what you think it is, a, a group of imperialist nations. So we can't rely on, um, we can't fold ourselves into support for, Na for NATO or rely on NATO um, to fight on the workers' behalf uh, and on, on the behalf of uh, the workers of Ukraine. Um, another sign that Western governments can't be relied upon to do that is that if they, if they really wanted to um, provide a fillip 
and a, 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 big, a big kind of bolstering shot in the arm for Ukraine. They could cancel their international debt. The Ukrainian government is um, weighed down by enormous amounts of debt, even whilst it's having to um, further indebt itself to buy arms to fight the struggle. So if our Western governments were serious, they would cancel that debt. They won't because they're capitalist bastards. Um, but it's something that our union should be raising and agitating for. Also, in Britain, we have a particular responsibility um, for uh, uh, what our government could be doing in relation to Ukraine. In that, I mentioned earlier there are laws to privatise, um, uh, basically to neoliberalise um, labour relations in Ukraine. There's currently one going through the RADA, which is the Ukrainian parliament, called um, 5371. And uh, Britain has a particularly disgraceful little hand in that legislation going through. And it was our foreign office that um, uh, pushed the Ukrainian government months ago to uh, adapt legislation along those lines as a means of allegedly making it uh, more integ integratable into the West. And that law would make it much easier to sack workers. It would mean that you could sack workers without, um, without, consul without consultation with unions. Um, so we should be using our trade unions in Britain uh, to raise a bit of a hue and cry internationally and in, in the situation of British politics to say that um, we oppose any attacks on the rights of Ukrainian workers, and we particularly oppose any influence of our British government to push that legislation through. We should also be demanding that uh, the borders are open to refugees, to all refugees, um, that goes without saying, but um, the, the, the government likes to paint itself up as a friend of the Ukrainian refugees, um, when, in, when in reality we've done very poorly at um, letting them in. Um, all the other countries in Western Europe, including countries the other side of us from Ukraine, like Ireland, have done much better. So we need to be providing a safe haven for Ukrainian refugees and refugees in general. But we should also be using the um, opportunities presented to us by technology and um, by events like this to make material links with the Ukrainian left and the trade union movement. And we should also be using that to do the same thing with the Ukraine, with the Russian anti-war movement and the Russian left. Difficult as that might be, considering their brutal repression. Um, we could, we should be doing the same for the underground workers' movements in um, in Belarus. So to conclude, um, we can't. We should neither um, fall into this idea that Russia, rather than being a predatory imperialist power is uh, just reacting to American imperialism. We should put the, square, the, the blame squarely on Russia and its imperial war. We should not rely on NATO, which is uh, a collection of self-interested capitalist imperialist powers. We should demand, nevertheless, that our governments stop doing the bad things that they're doing in Ukraine and provide arms to Ukraine. Um, and we should remember a slogan that was brought up uh, by the German workers' movement in the Franco-Prussian War in the late 19th century, which was to say that all tyrant, that tyrants of all lands are our enemies and the workers of all lands are our friends. We can't rely on Boris Johnson or Biden to um, bring freedom to Ukraine. We can't rely on Putin to see sense and uh, be miraculously won over to some peaceable policy. The people who will bring a just end to this war with freedom for Ukraine and who will eventually lead to a war where um, such tyranny and massacre and exploitation is ended are people like we've been speaking to um, in this call, but also people in this room, the workers of all lands united for a world of peace and democracy and socialism.